Hello, my darlings, and welcome to Radio Wasteland, the best in paranormal radio. I'm your host, Chauncey Allworth. This is my co-host, Kara Kittrick. Hello. Kara, do you have any news for us this evening? I sure do. So, first off, as listeners probably heard from news other than Radio Wasteland, last week India and Pakistan got into a dispute over Kashmir when Pakistan shot down an Indian pilot after India bombed militants in Pakistan, and the world held its breath because it looked like there was a possibility of full-on war for about three days, and together the nations have about 300 nuclear warheads pointed at each other. So the pilot has been returned, and things are cooling off, but I just thought we'd acknowledge how close we came to a nuclear exchange, potentially the closest since the Cold War. The West Virginia community of Flatwoods is enjoying a large resurgence of tourism after a History Channel series, a video game, and a documentary showcased the Flatwoods monster sighting from 1952. On that fateful day, two brothers spotted a bright object flash across the sky and land nearby. They and a few other residents of the area went to investigate and encountered a bizarre creature with, quote, small claw-like hands and a head that, quote, resembled an ace of spades. The local Flatwoods Monster Museum uh, reports visitors from 27 states and several other countries. So, good to see the lesser-known cryptids getting some love. And in mind control news, researchers at Zhejiang uh, University in China have used brain-to-brain communication to allow a human to guide a rat through a complex maze using only their thoughts. The non-invasive system consists of an EEG machine that records human brain data and transmits it wirelessly to electrodes implanted inside rats. Describing their accomplishment, the scientists said, quote, our manipulators were able to mind control a rat cyborg to smoothly complete maze navigation tasks. They went on to say, computer-assisted brain-to-brain interface that transmits in- information between two entities is intriguingly possible. Of course, the rats made the researchers say that. Back to you, Chauncey. All right. So, uh, cyborg rat, you know, I'm a sucker for this, but I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta wonder because they're saying that, like, hey, it's possible. Hey, this is doable. This, this might sure. happen. But really, I gotta wonder if this is more of a level of one way mind communication and behavioralism than it is conveying an idea because, like, how do we convey it to rat speak? You know, like, if I get in there and I think left and it sort of shocks them left a little bit, you know, that seems maybe more realistic than I think left and the rat goes, oh, yeah, left. I know what left is. <laughs> I mean, right. are, are rats, like, left clawed or right, right. clawed? I mean, do they we, know? We don't really know yet what's going on in the brains of of rats that this is happening to. But it is worth noting that this is just the latest in a, a long line of of similar technologies like that. Um, a few years ago, uh, researchers were able to transmit an image from the brain of one human to another. Oh, crazy. Wirelessly. And I so. <laughs> I know a couple of um, months ago, probably at this point, you were talking about um, reading thought patterns and turning them into words so that you could actually tell what a person was thinking based off of, Parts of the brain that highlight that represents right. That's words. being used yeah. with people who have like locked in syndrome. And yeah. they're almost totally paralyzed, but you put an EEG net on the, on their brain, and right. you know it it allows them to send simple messages. Right, and don't get me wrong, I find all this amazing. <laughs> the part yeah. that I have a hard time wrapping my brain around is the translation from human to rat. Human to rat, exactly. Yeah. And it's I I think even the researchers probably don't really know how that's working but well i imagine in my head they're not sitting there thinking turn left it's more like they're like a nine-year-old kid playing super mario brothers who's like licking all around their mouth with the paddle leaning way far to the left as they turn to the left you know how back you might be too young to remember (laughs) but, but back in the day man you always had that kid who was all like sweaty and he'd be playing the game and every time he like tried to go to the left he'd move his whole body to the left and bend the controllers though that would make him get there faster which now i guess in the wii it might but, uh, I, I think I learned more from that question than you're likely to learn from, from any answer I could ever give. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> That's wisdom. Wisdom is the intelligence that only comes with age. 
And I apparently have some when it comes to the original Nintendo system. <laughs> I can't argue with that. And then no. I'm a little desensitized. You know, this India-Pakistan thing, I couldn't tell if it was being yeah. over, overly sensationalized. I mean, I get that they were pissed at one another, but nothing in the news that I was following really was uh, conveying that um, that they were threatening to shoot nuclear missiles at one another. No, they weren't, but they were threatening to go to war. Were they? Yes. Oh, I see. And they both have nuclear missiles. Right. So it's not hard to imagine. Yeah. I <laughs> but I mean, you know, nuclear... So let, let's go to war, but ixnay on the nuclear missiles, okay? <laughs> I bet you that would happen. I bet you if we went to war with uh, somebody, that, that probably would happen, that people would both refuse to use uh, nuclear weapons for one. Let's say India and Pakistan went to war with one another, and Pakistan said, okay, well, we're going to nuke uh, India. Sure. They might fire that first nuclear weapon, and basically the entirety of the free world would rain hellfire on them for doing it. So it's like that choice. Yeah, that's more than possible. That yeah. choice would be much worse than whatever could possibly come out of it. You know, mm. you would have to be a mad well leader or something like that. And, uh, you yeah, know, I realize that there's a lot of madmen in Pakistan specifically, but their government is a little more down the lines of India, a little more. Oh, uh, oh, I agree. I, I think both governments are fairly rational. Yeah. But I also think when a war goes on for a little while, rationality tends to go out the window, even if at the highest levels. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and there's some look crazy. at some of the decisions we made during any number of wars in our history, Vietnam, World War II, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But nuking your back, neighbor's backyard that's connected to your backyard sounds crazy. <laughs> Well, it doesn't make sense to us. I can understand nuking somebody on the other side of the planet. I mean, go ahead, you know. I mean, your neighbor. I mean, come on. (laughs) Seriously, you gotta you gotta grow your food there. I guess I didn't think of it that way. But uh, yeah, it is a little terrifying that we all have these nukes. But I understand that they're not going anywhere. You know what? what Yeah, unfortunately. All right, so our guest tonight is a little bit anonymous. Sherlock Holmes is uh, the pseudonym. Uh, I want to say his pseudonym, but as we discussed in our upcoming yeah, we segment, have no idea. Time, I actually don't know if we're dealing with a uh, man or a woman. Yeah. You know, I just don't know. I'm, I'm assuming Sherlock no, is a female or those who lieth betwixt. Totally. You know, maybe uh, he'll get on there and I don't know. Maybe it'll be a. It will be Bigfoot, clearing Bigfoot's name. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, I didn't do this. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Sorry, Sherlock. We're going to be talking about the Dennis Lloyd Martin case, a case of a missing kid who was born in 62 and went missing in 69, uh, six days shy of his seventh birthday in the Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this is our first uh, move into some true crime, so I'm really interested in this. I know my wife's at home listening because true crime is her gig. That's her thing. I know. That's her, That's her jam. And I have a feeling our own Melandria is at home listening as well. <laughs> also her jam. Also her jam. All right. So you are listening to Radio Wasteland. When we come back, we have our guest Sherlock Holmes talking about the Dennis Lloyd Martin missing case. All right. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest Sherlock Holmes. And we're talking about the Dennis Lloyd Martin case. Uh, Sherlock, are you there with us? I am. How are you? Uh, not bad. How are you doing this evening? I'm pretty good. Thank you for asking. Um, all right. So I was kind of hoping that we could just hop right into You know, this is our first um, true crime case, and uh, it's it's really interesting for it. But I think a big part of these true crime cases is to find out about the the actual crime, like, right off the bat. So I was kind of hoping that you could sort of maybe walk us through what, we do know about what happened to Dennis Lloyd Martin and uh, when that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dennis Lloyd Martin was, um, he was a six-year-old. He was actually six days shy of his seventh birthday. And on June 14th, 1969, um, him, his brother, and grandfather um, uh, was uh, going out to um, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park for a Father's Day weekend trip. They had done it before, and this was supposed to be no different, really. Um, they had went up there, and um, 
on uh, the 14th, um, the day before that, actually, they had met with another family, um, another Martin family, um, and they were from Huntsville, Alabama, and the Martin family with Dennis, Dennis's family was from Tennessee, the Knoxville area, if I remember correctly. But a lot of things, a lot of people try to draw a weird conspiracy theory out of the two Martin families meeting together, thought it was odd. It's just one of those coincidences, really. But um, on the 14th, um, four of the boys, two, one being Dennis and his brother, the other families, two boys, the other Martin families, two boys, decided to play a trick on the adults. And they were in Spencefield at the time. And um, they wanted to basically run up on the adults and try to scare them. So um, Dennis, um, he was wearing a red shirt, and the boys thought that, you know, he would probably give away them coming, so they wanted him to go around the other side and come out and scare them. And um, the adults knew they were going to do this, so they just kind of played along with it. And... Uh, they scared him, I guess you'd say, even though they knew it was going to happen. And um, Dennis somehow in that, in the three to five minutes after that happened, he ended up getting lost and nobody's ever seen him since. Um, and his story's been kind of um, kind of misconstrued over the years in terms of making it a paranormal case and so on, which I really don't think that it is. I, I don't really think... Um, a crime has been committed uh, here. It's just that this is a missing boy, um, and his, his story has been kind of hijacked by a certain community of people, I guess. Yeah, so so in in their looking into it, did they, you know, because all the, all the possibilities are that, you know, um, an adult took the child, the child was lost, uh, maybe the other kids did something to the child and didn't fess up to it, you know. Were all of these things looked into by the police at the time, and if so, were they looked into uh, credibly? Yeah, they were. I mean, um, this this case um, is a prime example of when people go into, if they're employed by a National Park Service or whatnot, and they're trained in search and rescue, this case is day one in training because it's a perfect example of what not to do when something like this happens. Um, there's an old saying, and I'm sure you've heard it, you work smarter, not harder. And in the days preceding, or the days after he uh, ended up going missing, they flooded the entire national park with people. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people. And um, it really... Um, hampered the search efforts for him because um, there's a searcher that has done a lot of interviews, Dwight McCarter. Um, he's actually helped find a lot of missing people in the forests and, and national parks and so on. And um, you, when you get that many people involved in the, in the search, you go over um, vital clues like, you know, footprints or so on. And, um, it's basically an example of what not to do, so they go over this case. But you know, there's a lot of uh, stories like um, uh, on my blog, you know, I kind of go after it. Um, there's a lot of Bigfoot conspiracies, and that but that basically comes from the uh, the key sighting. Uh, there's uh, another family. It was about seven miles away at another part of the the uh, park. His name was Harold Key and his family. And um, he never could, he didn't remember exactly the exact time that uh, he saw this, but him and his family were walking, and they heard what they said was an enormous, sickening scream. And um, in some reports, they said they even thought they heard a child scream. But um, they said they heard it, and they, a few minutes later, um, they said they walked about 200 yards and later, uh, I mean, sorry, 200 yards further after they heard the scream, and then they saw what they described. His his kids were with him at the time. They said they thought they saw a bear, um, and he said that it wasn't a bear. It looked like it was a very rough-looking, unkempt-looking man, 
that was um, kind of moving stealthily in the woods to try to prevent people from seeing him. And he said at the time he thought it was a moonshiner. But he said he was obviously hiding. He was definitely trying to avoid them seeing him. And um, that was one thing. Uh, he, he came forward a couple of days after, because at the time they didn't know this was missing. And he said it bothered him after he heard about it, so he came forward. But he, there was no specific time that he remembered when he heard it, so it may not have had anything to do with Dennis. But a lot of people have... Um, I know David Paulate is. He, he he mentions it a lot. Um, but at no time, a lot of people have said that the unkempt man or whatever, um, wild man or whatever, was carrying something over his shoulder. But if you go to my blog and read that entry, at no time in the in any of the newspaper articles that I've posted there does it say that they saw uh, a wild man carrying anything over his shoulder. That's something that's been added over the years, unfortunately. Yeah, there and, seems to be a lot of embellishment added to these things as time goes on. Oh, a lot, yeah. There's a whole lot of them, unfortunately. Um, but they had the FBI come in, and they kind of went over every possible scenario. Um, they had even some psychics that throw their two cents in. Um, but... Um, everything that they investigated um, didn't seem like there was no really crime that was committed in my opinion um, I, mean, I know that uh, the Martin family wanted to leave the possibility open that he, Dennis may have been kidnapped but they said that at the same time there was no evidence of that being of that taking place either so they yeah, well, left it open to interpretation but I'm sure as time goes on that, uh, you know, the parents, you know, as terrifying as kidnapping may be, um, as time goes on, if there is no kidnapping, it does leave parents thinking the worst. And at that point, kidnapping probably starts to sound even a little better because it means they might possibly be alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could imagine that would probably be the case. They at least want to know that they're, you know, missing, uh, child was with somebody and they weren't alone in the forest by themselves you know yeah i i often think about this with parents of uh, missing kids i have kids myself and and you know is it is it better to know that they died or is it better to know that they might be out there somewhere i i, I often watch these things and listen to these things and i wonder which would be better for the parent um you know true closure or no closure you never know yeah, I guess different people react different ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got kids myself. I can't put myself in that situation. I guess I would, you know, not being in that situation, I personally right now would say I'd want to know. But, um, you know, you never know until you're in that situation yourself. Yeah, I Hopefully think, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I feel that in the moment I would want to know, but like 10 years down the line I would I would want to live the lie that maybe they ran off and were living in France now. <laughs> you know something you know you'd want to exactly. you'd want to think something you know as time goes on we have a lot of different thoughts and different feelings as uh, time goes on all right so um sherlock we're coming up on break here if you'd like to know more about sherlock holmes and his website it's crimeblogger1983.blogspot.com and there are a lot of cases represented on this site we're just talking about one of them the dennis lloyd martin case and uh you're listening to radio wasteland with our guest sherlock holmes so come on back all right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest Sherlock Holmes. We're talking about the missing Dennis Lloyd Martin case from uh, 1969. So, uh, Sherlock, I, I guess I I got to ask you, not that it's a problem, but uh, why the anonymity with your name? Oh, uh, I like um, my blog's a little different. I guess you'd say I like picking fights with bad people. <laughs> I see. But that's uh, that's a big reason. But you. When I listened to the promo the other day, um, you're right. I, the, the beginning, the the first reason was to bring uh, more um, of a spotlight on the case itself, and not myself. I'm not a person that wants to bring attention to me. I want to analyze the case from a different perspective, and, and at the same time, if I 
I know that a person's responsible for another missing person, I go after that person. Right. Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense because uh, you know people out there might make the argument, well, you have the fake name and you got the website, and people are going to look that up. But what they're maybe not putting together is when you do look that up, all you get is the results of case searches. You you don't get any finding out about your life and pictures of your family and following your Facebook and doing all the stuff that people do now. It really does right. focus uh, everything onto the cases, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's uh, that's my main reason, and, I, and again. Um, I'm really um, opinionated on my blog, so um, a lot of the cases um, that feature that I have suspects that I know that are responsible, I will call them out, and yeah. they know that. I sometimes wish I had done that for this show. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really have that luxury now. I have to be, I have to be somewhat diplomatic. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, you know, I I wanted to talk about like. In in your looking into this case, what were some of the possibilities? You know, it's like um, surely they looked into, you know, how does a kid go missing so incredibly quickly in such a short amount of time? We're looking at, from the explanation of the case, we're, we're looking at like 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops, and then all of a sudden this kid can't be found. So, you know, my thoughts are like he fell in a hole or that, uh, you know, some sort of animal took off with him or, or something, you know. Did anybody really sort of, I assume that they looked into holes and chasms and little stuff in the area, and they looked at the possible wildlife in the area. All that was looked into? Oh, yeah. They, um, they looked in uh, sewage drainages and um, and rivers and creeks, and uh, they even checked animal feces and, um, to see if he had accidentally came up on a, a bobcat or a bear, which are real... Hmm. Uh, common in that area, um, but they 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 did come across on day three. They did come across some footprints um, that matched the type of shoes that Dennis was wearing, and this was several miles away. And they were in uh, a pattern of one shoe on and one shoe off, which makes me think that he may have uh, sprained his foot or something. Um, and he was, his, one of his feet may have swollen and he took the shoe off to try to relieve the swelling. Or, I mean, he could have just lost a shoe, one of those two. Um, and the, the real strange thing is that they just disregarded it because they said that it was probably tracked by some of the search members out in the, uh, woods, but there were no kids with any of the search members. So... Um, it was that one tiny little search member with only one shoe on with a seven-year-old size yeah, foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they disregarded it. Um, I don't know why, but that was the only thing they really found um, while searching for him initially. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because we've had you scheduled to come on the show here for a little while. And, and then here in California just recently, those two girls had gone missing for several days, so... This, this kind of gave me a week here where, where I was really um, thinking about this topic and, and how it can be so hard to find them. And it's very sort of confusing to me, especially today uh, with the technology that we have. I guess they had a Black Hawk helicopter out there. You know, you, you wouldn't think it'd be so hard to find a child who went missing in such a small area because it's not like, I mean, I know it's a big area, but I mean, you know, it's not like they took off sprinting uh, into the wilderness as far and fast as they could. I mean, they're not a marathon runner, you know. So, really, I'm just really surprised. Like, what is it that makes it so hard to find these people in these situations? Well, I I went, um, it's a personal story. I went camping with my grandparents when I was about Dennis's age. I um, we went to Lake Texoma. And, um, I went, I don't remember what I was doing, but I went, we had this little RV we were staying in and there's a bunch of other RVs around too. And I went out of the RV to go get something and I turned around and for a split second, all the other RVs looked exactly the same and I panicked almost. And, uh, I almost wanted to start sprinting around to try to find my, uh, grandparents one. But, um, I think you could become real disoriented real quick 
and I think you can get into a uh, a mode to where you're just scared. You feel like you need to run. I I felt like that when I was his age, and that was, and I wasn't anywhere near in a situation like like Dennis was in. And uh, a lot of the interviews I have on my blog with White McCarter, he was one of the searchers. Uh, he wrote a book about um, cases and, and times that he searched for people uh, like Dennis, and he ended up finding a lot of them. But uh, Dennis was his first search, and of course they didn't find him. But a lot of the times, the kid, or or the especially if it's a little kid, um, he'll hide from people trying to search for him. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the kid. things that crossed my mind. Um, I, yeah. One story McCarter was telling, he said that uh, he went over this area, I think it was like three to four times, and he knew the kid was in this area, and he kept calling his name. And he's like around the fourth time he approached that area, he saw the kid hiding in a little, uh, a little cave, a little, a little dwelling somewhere, and the kid was scared. So a lot of the times, um, you know, they get into a panic mode and they get scared, and if they don't hear a familiar voice, they're not coming out. I see. That that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um. All right, so, uh, you know, I got a couple of the uh, paranormal questions to go along with this. Um, you know, you had mentioned that they actually brought in a few psychics. Um, I'm curious, as do we know what any of those psychics said they thought happened? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, they thought that he had fell into, um, you know, a hole in the ground. Unfortunately, a lot of the, uh, the searches, a lot of the parties ended up believing some of what these psychics had to say, but none of it panned out. It's usually the same, and forgive me, I know this is a show that covers kind of the paranormal subject. And I yeah, love we're paranormal skeptics, don't worry. Subject myself. <laughs> I, love, I mean, I love it too, believe me. I, I spent a lot of my life actually doing a UFO thing. So, yeah. But um, but we're skeptics. It was nothing real, don't worry about nothing our feelings. Real, what was that? I said, we're skeptics. Don't worry about our feelings. Oh. But, um, yeah, they, they, it was the same old stuff that you probably can call in one of those 800 numbers and have a psychic tell you. The near body of water, or I see the letter C, or some, something stupid like that. But none of it panned out. They were, I mean, um, nothing really that helped with the search other than diverting resources. Right, right. There. Do we know if their stories coincided with one another's? Uh, I, I did not. To be honest with you, I didn't even look into that aspect. Yeah, no, no, I don't blame you. I don't, I don't blame you. I was just curious about that one. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, we are coming up on another break here. We are listening to uh, me, Chauncey Allworth, and Karen <laughs> Kittrick uh, interview Sherlock Holmes. We're talking about the missing Dennis Lloyd Martin case. Now, there's a lot of a... Uh, conspiracy pulled in here of course between the two martin families meeting and also with everybody saying that it's possibly bigfoot and uh, we're going to talk a little bit when we come back about why people gravitate towards these things and uh, what they think was going on you're listening to radio wasteland come on back with our guest sherlock holmes all right welcome back to radio wasteland and we're listening to our guest sherlock holmes and we're talking about the missing dennis lloyd martin and uh so you know, you had said that there was this association with Bigfoot, and I assume that a large part of the popularity of this is that they've taken Bigfoot and ran with it. Is that I'm I'm just assuming this because they're they're a very rabid community, the the Bigfoot community. You know, they're always looking for something, and as soon as the connection was made there, did they latch on pretty heavy? Yeah, they could say that, and. And I'll, and I'll go ahead and say this right now. I love Bigfoot. I did my third grade book report on Bigfoot, but um, <laughs> Bigfoot has nothing to do with this case. So um, why they kind of, uh, you know, inserted Bigfoot into this case and, and kind of ran with it, I, I, I can only assume that it had to do with the key sighting, even though mm-hmm. Harold Key never said, you know, Bigfoot did it. Although, um, listening to... I heard that promo you guys played, um, and Kara mentioned a good aspect. Bigfoot might have been framed, so I might need to go back into my entry <laughs> and 
cover yeah. that aspect of maybe. I don't well, know. Well, I was worried about point. that, you know. <laughs> Totally. How unfair. Right. Well, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of Bigfoot researchers, you know, talk about how um, docile and non-threatening a cr- the creature really is. Right. And, you know, don't, you know, don't so blame... So it's weird that they latched onto it because... Don't blame it, the cryptid. You know, they, they've, yeah. had, they've had enough. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird that so many people would latch onto this when really that's a rare association. I mean, to, you know... Going to pick up this child and run off with it, and it, I don't know. It it, it, it is a weird <laughs> yeah. it is a weird association, you know. Uh, and some well, not that only you, that, but like if if you go uh, farther into the story with the Key family, um, the Key family say um, I'm not sure if it's the Key family. I don't remember right off. Yeah, it was the Key family. They said that the, the person that had supposedly um, the wild man that they saw running actually got into a white van and drove off. So that right there kind of discounts mm. the Bigfoot part. And I know Bigfoot's kind of evolved. Now he teleports and the aliens drop him off now. Right. It's a little different from when I was writing a book report about him in third grade. But unless he drives cars now, too, I don't I don't see Bigfoot doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, i I got to tell you, you know, large, hairy man skulking around in the wilderness trying not to be seen that drives away in a van really sort of implies something other than Bigfoot to me. Now, I like the way that he screamed ahead of time, too. He screamed, and then he was trying to hide, so I don't know. You know, that that implies potential abduction as being something more likely than than Bigfoot. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know why Bigfoot got inserted. I, I wrote my entry on my blog probably a while back, and I left it idle just because when I was researching it, I had to go into all those, all those uh, rabbit holes with old Bigfoot, and I got tired of it. So I left it idle, then I finished it up. But a big reason I kind of um, left it idle was the Bigfoot. But I got it finished up because uh, my associate, my Watson, um, <laughs> who does uh, the Unsolved Appalachia site, she did a post on him too. So, and which is pretty good. You should check it out too. But she doesn't cover Bigfoot either, but, <laughs> so, but yeah. What was the uh, what was the sort of association that people tried to make between the last name of Martin? Why why um, any conspiracy there? What would that even be? Well, you know, a lot of these conspiracy theories uh, they're getting a little bit more um, a little more. Uh, I don't know what you call it. I get it. They're getting like transcendental, like they're making. Time connections or something. Well, wild. well, they're getting a little more volume and a little more attention because of uh, David Politis. Because, and I like Politis. Uh, he does a lot of good work in terms of like documenting missing persons cases. But all he does is add flair to all of them. I see. Like all the all the details that we went over in terms of the man, uh, you know, um, the scream from the key family the part that he got into the car, he leaves a lot of that stuff out and he leaves it open to interpretation. I know that Paul Edis is big on Bigfoot himself, so I think that might be part of the reason, but he tends to leave out a lot of the little things and he wants to leave, he never says it himself that, you know, Bigfoot came and took the kid, but he, he kind of sways you in the direction with his narrative. Right. Um, so a lot of it in terms of this case, I think has to do with Paul Edis, which um, he did do a lot of good things in this case. I'm not saying that, um, I'm not trying to attack the guy personally. He did go after and talk to, you know, um, Dennis's, uh, father William and he, and he talked to, um, some of the searchers and so on. So he's done a lot of good work there, but, um, he leaves out a lot of little details, which would totally negate I don't even know how Bigfoot got into this case to begin with, but he could take it out of the equation. But when you hear him tell the story, he leaves out a lot of those things. So do you think we can give any credit to that sort of situation? I mean, so here we are, we're, we're dealing with 69, you know, 40, 60 years later, um, that the associations that people have made with Bigfoot are somehow keeping the case alive and people interested or... Do we owe any credit there? I guess. Uh, I guess there could be an argument for it. I don't. I don't like it, 
but I guess there could be an <laughs> argument made yeah, for I, that. That I get you. Yeah. I get you. All right. Well, um, we don't have too long until the end of the show here, so we wanted to ask you, what do you think happened? What is your take after reading all this stuff, and what do you think happened to this kid? What do you think happened? He got lost, and he perished of exposure somewhere in the woods. You think so? You um, think he hid from researchers? Yeah. I mean, not researchers, from uh, searchers, <laughs> and uh, just got lost? Yeah, it's easy to miss things. Uh, I, another part of this case, another aspect of this case was... Um, Dwight McCarter, which I mentioned before, he's one of the ones that did the searches. He said in 1985, two, or I think it was one, one or two ginseng hunters were illegally hunting ginseng in that area, in the area of, uh, I think it was Spencefield. And they said they came across a, uh, a partial skull that looked to be of a, a young boy. Um, and they said that they didn't report it because they didn't want to get prosecuted for illegally hunting on, on government land. So Interesting. All right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I couldn't find any news articles that could corroborate that, but Dwight McCarter seems like a really honest person, so if he says that's what they told him, I, I'll go with it. Um, I find it kind of hard to believe myself. But um, he says that he knows the people. He's never told the actual names of the people, but he says that they're honest people. So um, he tends to believe them. But I, I think I gotta he, say, if you're going to be honest and you're going to be hunting anything illegal, ginseng is acceptable to me. <laughs> so I find that that adds some credibility. It's not like they were poaching rhinos or anything, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm serious. You know, yeah. that's like. You know, they weren't doing anything too bad, I don't think. But, uh, all right, uh, well, we're here at the end of the show, uh, Sherlock. Um, can you uh, remind our audience where they can find out more about this case and more about more of your missing cases that you look into? Uh, my blog is crimeblogger1983.blogspot.com. I have a Facebook, um, this, uh, Facebook, Sherlock Holmes 1983, and that Sherlock is spelled with a U, not an E. And I'm on Twitter uh, at home, Sherlock. And uh, I do have a podcast. We just started a podcast, me and my Watson, which is the evidentiary podcast. Huh. And we go over uh, cases. Uh, right now, the podcast is on iTunes, Podbeam, and Buzzsprout at the moment. Sounds good. We're looking forward to checking it out. Well, I thank you very much for being on the show. This was a really interesting case. And, uh, and uh, we really enjoyed having you on here. It was definitely something new for us and something we'd like to do again. So, uh, you know, keep in touch. All right. Thank you very much for having me. You two have a good day. All right. You've been listening you. to Sherlock Holmes here on Radio Wasteland. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. We've been listening to our guest, Sherlock Holmes, the mysterious mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes. Have we been talking about the missing case of Dennis Lloyd Martin? Uh, you know, uh, what did you think about this? Do you think Bigfoot? First, I guess, you know, we're a, we're a paranormal conspiracy show. <laughs> I guess the initial question here is... No, I... I, I think uh, wait, wait, hey, yeah, I haven't asked the question yet. Oh, my God. Okay, fine. What's the question? Percentage-wise, 0% to 100%. How likely it is you think Bigfoot took this kid? I don't know. One percent. One percent? Yeah. All right. Uh, For the sake of argument, I'm going to go with two. Two percent. Okay. Two percent. Wow. So one in 50. Yeah. Yeah. No. Maybe (laughs) half a percent then. You know, the, the thing that definitely threw me over, and I'm surprised, you know, because 1969... This is before Stranger Danger. There were a lot of missing kids because right. there were a lot of creepers out there. You know, yeah. um, molesters and stuff like that. They ran in packs. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but they really did run in packs. When we started going after them in the 70s and figuring out this stuff was really going on, we were finding out that they were really traveling in packs and groups and sharing their images and stuff like that. There were whole oh, like yeah. underground communities and stuff of this going on in well, 1969. As far as I know, that's still a, the case. Is a, to, well, you know, some degree. 
Yeah, but we were constantly breaking those things up at the time. You know, at the time they might <laughs> right. have had like at, at yearly the time meetings. it was just rampant. Yeah. Right, they might have had yearly meetings. Like, oh, we're getting together at the Bates Motel, you know, to talk about the terrible <laughs> crap we did this year. You know, <laughs> so Motel. so when he said about the wild man who supposedly drove away in a van, yeah. At that point, I'm just all like, I that don't know. Sounds yeah. like a clear abduction scenario to me. It, but it definitely would. It was even a white that. van. Yeah, which is like classic pedophile van, right? Yeah, I, I, I think it seems like it's always a white van in in fiction or whatever. Yeah, and well, we, so I used to work out of town as an environmental, um, I forget what the thing was called. Basically, when when you build <laughs> when you build track homes, you take a whole area and you turn it all into dirt. Okay, and then they build all their homes, but by law they have to put like ten or fifteen percent of the land back to what it originally was mm. and i was an environmental landscaper so i'd have to come through after they built all the homes and like plant all the plants that used to be there that they had dug up and now we're putting back oh right yeah that makes sense and uh i, I worked with my friend mondo out of town and he had this van and the van was like had all the windows busted out so he mm-hmm. had replaced them with wood cut out wood and put them in there and so it was just this totally like dark van that we referred to as the abductor, you know. <laughs> and uh, we drive around in the abductor. the abductor, and it sounds like an abductor van in this thing, man. Kind of, yeah. So, I mean, it it sounds like there are any number of things that could have happened that really had nothing to do with Bigfoot. The only the only Bigfoot related thing is someone said they might have seen a bear or a hairy looking dude, right? Who drove off in a van? <laughs> <laughs> Who drove off in a van? So it probably wasn't a bear either. Yeah. <laughs> But it it was somewhat, um, I don't know, I think serendipitous is too nice of a word, somewhat uh, coincidental that, uh, you know, these two girls went missing here in California yeah. just prior to us having <laughs> yeah, Sherlock Yeah, serendipitous Hall. isn't the right word. Yeah, yeah, totally. You, this should make excellent <laughs> Totally, it's like, where's Kate Beckinsale, for those of you <laughs> who have seen enough romantic comedies to know what I'm talking about. But, um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I've been thinking about how easy it must be for these these people to get lost and this stuff to happen and yeah i have my own um traumatizing story about this happening um did you go to when i was a kid it was called need camp but then they called it west camp yeah i, I went to west camp yeah right jared yeah you go to west camp i did all right everybody from around here went to west camp right exactly and uh so when i was there we do the hike where you you go hiking off into bfe and, right. uh, you know, you lick a banana slug and you come walking back or something. And um, I get, like, separated from the group. Mm-hmm. And um, and I get a little lost on my way back. Right. And now you're dead. And now I'm dead. Right. And um, so after, like, hiding in a cave for five days. <laughs> no. So I'm, like, coming back and um, I twist my ankle. Ooh. And so I'm, like, you know, how old are we at the time? and. Sixth grade, so ten. What is that? Yeah, ten, 12? eleven. Yeah, ten, eleven. All right. So I'm ten or eleven, and I've twisted my ankle, and I'm walking back, and I've walked for like a mile on a twisted ankle, and I'm fully just miserable, and I'm crying, and I'm a little kid, mm-hmm. and uh, I finally see the group, and I'm like, I'll come limping up with my twisted ankle, I'm crying, and, and like, uh, you know, they all start freaking out because they think I've been lost for like an hour and all this <laughs> stuff. And like, I'm known as the lost kid for like we the whole thought you rest were dead. Of, yeah. They, they, you know, but, but really I was, I was, we'd written you off. We called your parents. <laughs> I, I wasn't crying for any more of a noble reason. The reason why is because I hurt myself, you know, but, um, we already wrote an obituary. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. We adopted a new kid. Yeah. yeah. We're done. And so, you know, I, I've been thinking about that over this past week, you know, and, and I did yeah. get lost there for a little while, but I mean, it was all roads, and I had some idea where I was and going. And you didn't even run into a kindly stranger in a white van. Well, I blocked out the memory. Oh, okay. Right. Well, so, then it's like it didn't happen. That's right. Good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, all, all good. So I'm I'm always really kind of amazed that, that they can go missing so quickly. It's like, yeah. I think in the last storm or something like some grandma was like with the kids and the kids like uh was gone for like five minutes and they come back and the kids like lost in the wilderness for like five days that's crazy it's like how far can they get i you know i mean well they just aren't logical 
I know. It's <laughs> and <just> they're tiny. <laughs> so, they are, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so you can't, like, you pretty much got to just lay eyes on them in order to find them. You can't use right. know, logical deduction to figure it out. Cause, so what Terry and I need to do if Jasmine ever goes missing, who's 24, but, <laughs> you know. Right, not the same type, we, type of problem. We need to record our own voices calling to her so that people can walk around with bullhorns <laughs> and, like, play our voice. Yeah. In the wilderness. You you think your twenty four year old daughter would, would hide from, from rescuers. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. It, is that because she's antisocial or because she's lacking in survival skills? Uh, a little bit of column A, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Might be both. Might be both. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I I don't think I would fare well in the wilderness. I would be, you know, out there for a, a few hours, and then I just get eaten by a deer or something. I'm something sure. that's normally an, an herbivore, like a woodchuck. True, totally. I would just totally. be like, ooh, I'm the top of the food chain now, totally. now that Kara's in the woods. We found a shoe with an ankle sticking out of it being chewed on by a ruminant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's disturbing. Yeah. Well, right. it'll happen. So what do you think about this being our first... Uh, I, I don't know if true crime really fits it. You know, he's a crime blogger, but, uh, you know, in this case, there might not have been a crime. It might yeah. just be tragic, true tragedy. Well, you know, it was a lot like our other shows, except, you know, we discussed a case, except in this case, we discussed why it wasn't Bigfoot instead of why it was Bigfoot. Right. That'd but, be an interesting, interesting concept, why it wasn't Bigfoot. <laughs> I wonder yeah. If that don't what I want that. is like a crossfire style situation with like that guy and then just some hardcore Bigfoot believer and they can just duke it out and then come to blows. Right. Like that guy who wanted to shoot Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. Just get them both talking about, you know, the existence of Bigfoot and then record the fist fight. Right. (laughs) That's awful. All right. You're listening to radio wasteland. Come on back. We got some more. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Carrie, you were telling me something very funny outside. Oh, I, was, I was getting very okay. I was getting very upset with you because <laughs> because you wanted me to save it for the radio. I did because it is without a doubt the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. Okay. Well, <laughs> so I am a trans woman, a woman of the trans persuasion. That's not the funny part. But you, right. <laughs> Just, you know, clearing clearing the ground there. Um so, ever since I changed my profile picture, like, a week ago, I I must look good in it or something, because I've just been getting a lot of messages from dudes that I don't know that are, I mean, seemingly innocent, but clearly an ulterior motive hides just beneath the surface. Right. And so, just today, I uh, I get this friend request, and it's some guy who I don't know. I'm like, oh God, not again. But then I'm like, okay, three mutual friends. I'm bad at faces. Probably it's just some kid from high school I don't remember. Right. And it's going to be awkward, but I'll, I'll friend them. Life's too short, whatever. Right. So I friend them. Im- immediately, as soon as, as soon as I've done that, I get a message. Hey, how's it going? And it's like, okay. All right, friendship starting to happen. Right. Well, a little suspicious, because normally when you friend someone, you don't just, like, immediately engage them in conversation. Right, unless you're stalking an ex. Unless you're, yeah, precisely. So, so like, 30 seconds into the conversation, I'm like, okay, I've just... I've just got to nip this in the bud because I know what's going on here. And I'm like, hey, so I'm really sorry if I'm misconstruing things. I, I, I don't want to offend you or anything, but just letting you know I'm not into guys. Very gay, huge lesbian. Just, you know, letting you know, sorry, I'm the worst for being so blunt. And they were like, no, it's a, I'm not hitting on you. It's, it's fine. That's, that's, that's nothing. Whatever. Beginning of a quality friendship. It's man. like, okay, great. They're not hitting on me. Like a, a minute into the conversation after that. What I get from them is, apropos of nothing, uh, it's always been a fantasy of mine to hook up with a trans woman. Awesome. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Waiting for that one to drop. <laughs> okay. We're at, we're at red alert now. Mm. And like 30 seconds later, they, they say, so just, just curious, are you attracted to guys or girls? Like... Well, I'm attracted to people who listen. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. People who, you know, well, I mean, you know, 
I I think that my my wife's response to this might be somewhat you know, uh, well, you're getting treated like a woman because you're not being listened <laughs> yeah, to no, at I all. Mean, I, <laughs> you know? This guy was very trans-inclusive. They mm. they treat trans women just like they treat cis women right. with unsolicited creepiness. Right, right. And then so I'm like, no, I'm attracted to girls. And they're like, well, uh, okay, but hopefully maybe one day I can convince you to hang out with me. They're like, I just remembered that I have a meeting and I have to go by. Right. I, I didn't have a meeting. Did you drop the friendship? Or are you still friends? <laughs> We're still Facebook friends. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was I was too timid to like actually unfriend this right. guy, but I was just like ah. Plus, I mean it's potentially funny. You know, where are they from? Are they from town? No, yeah, they're they're from Reading. Oh, I, that's I, I hope they're not a listener. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Totally. Now they know where you are on Monday nights. Uh, better start locking that door. That's all right. I'll sock him out because I'm like a cisgender <laughs> aggro. You, Actually, you, I am. You can I, be my white knight. Thank I you. am a cisgender aggro because on Friday, <laughs> I um I had to start taking uh, testosterone shots and they gave me a shot in my butt of testosterone. So now I'm all like roid raging. I'm about to. Get oh, all, okay. Nice. I'm about to get all Chronos and eat my children. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as you said testosterone shots, I I imagine just like shot glasses. <laughs> totally. Like shots. Uh, yeah, totally. It has but to just be steroids. Yeah, totally. They bring him in, you know, it's like a pack of Hooters girls and it's all like uh balanced on a tray. They bring in the uh testosterone shots and you know, you yeah, gotta exactly. lean back and you're all whoa, and at the end, you know, you rage out and you high five your uh, frat brothers. It's a lot like that. I I'm starting to suspect that that's actually just what goes on. <laughs> it's not a far cry from what goes on in some places, yeah. that is for sure. So anyway, to recap, constructive criticism for all you guys. You know, I don't mind if you want to hit on random girls on the internet or whatever, but, you know, two red flags are not being honest and not listening to a word they say. Totally. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe keep an eye on that. Yeah. Don't don't hit on lesbians after they tell you they're not into guys. I mean, what what the heck? Yeah, and if you're going to be a manipulative <laughs> d bag, at least be somewhat good at it. You know that I don't want nothing, people to be good at it. No, no, no. That's no, not no, the takeaway. Nothing is more <laughs> nothing is more insulting than somebody who is a terrible manipulator trying to manipulate me as though they think we're on the same playing field. Right. Okay, uh, that's fair. that really insults me. I'm just all come on, man. Do your research. Do you think I'm as dumb as you? Right. Come yeah. on. I'm totally out of your league in so many ways. <laughs> all right, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Uh, Kara, I wanted to talk a little bit about this Michael Cohen situation because it seems very conspiracy. It seems very you know, true from both sides. It seems like there's a lot of like, uh, you know, for for one, is is Trump really the shady person that they're saying right. that he is a racist, a con man, and a cheat? As as uh, I think Cohen called him. I might have had the con man wrong, but I got the first and the last one. Uh, right. hmm. And then uh, you know, enough. on the other side, the argument could be made that they got to him. Yeah, you know that they they. They, the powers, got to him. Right, which is, this is what I've been saying from the beginning. This is a wacky situation where both sides are alleging a conspiracy. And in fact, there's there's no way to be like the reasonable person who doesn't believe in conspiracy theories in in this particular situation. There is a conspiracy going on. Right, there is a conspiracy. It's just a question of whether it's Trump and associates colluding with Russia or a question of, I don't know, the deep state or whatever. The deep state trying to take down the president. Yeah. Or, um, you know, the the possibilities of uh, the Democrats colluding with Russia is in there as well, wasn't it? With this, I mean, with the steel dossier, you know, wasn't that um, roundabout coming from uh, Russia? That information. Well, I don't think so. I think it came from a. This guy Michael Steele, who's just an investigator. He's a British British guy. British guy, yeah. So you can believe him. I mean, I, I don't know that you can believe him or, or not or whatever. It sounds like uh, it was opposition research. Uh, 
I don't actually remember a lot of details, so I'm sure I'm going to get this wrong. It was opposition research originally done by Hillary Clinton that ended up getting picked up by the intelligence community because it unearthed some interesting stuff. Right. Like the P-tape. Right. Which has not been confirmed. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it's been heavily assumed. (laughs) Right. It it is worth noting that nothing in the Steele dossier has been disproved. Or proved. Plenty of it has been proved. Oh, it has. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah, there, there's two things in the dossier, the stuff that hasn't been proved and the stuff that has been proved. I see. But. <laughs> well, you know, my, my main problem, I think we've talked about it on here before, is that at the end of this, mm-hmm. I want a group of people to go to jail. And here's yeah. why. Because somebody on one side or the other is trying to undermine the American people. Sure. Somebody is being treasonous towards us by trying to manipulate us in negative ways. And if it's the Republicans, that's fine. If it's the Democrats, that's fine. But I want to find out who it is. And I, I, I've just had enough of this. I think that I think somebody needs to get in trouble and we need to straight up say, no, that's not happening. I would have to agree. And I, I think several people are already going to jail pretty definitely, including Michael Cohen. So. Yeah, but I mean, none of those none of those so far really have anything to do with Russian collusion of those people going to jail. Well, they're all sort of like uh, Paul Manafort did. <laughs> that was kind of one of the whole things. Yeah, but that wasn't the campaign thing, was it? I mean, the only thing kinda. that they found that that Roger Stone also that's definitely a collusion. Well, that was thing. a WikiLeaks. That wasn't a Russia thing. That was the uh, Julian Assange situation. Yeah, granted. Now, down the road there, yeah, eventually there's the Russians. But, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you have to know that, that that's what's going on. Now, I, I forget, but someone we know that they gave, I think it was Manafort, gave a lot of campaign polling data right. to the Russians. Right. Yeah. And so that's pretty, like, that's textbook. Hey, could we have some help with this election, please? Right. Kind of a thing. Yeah. I find it all just really, um, really... It's hard to keep track of. Disturbing and... and yeah. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be too political in what I say here, but I, I really can't help it. It's like we're coming up on some elections here in California, mm-hmm. and one guy was a Republican, and now he's running as a Democrat. And my wife and I were talking about possibly, you know, would we vote for this guy? Uh, let's see sure. what he believes. And uh, my wife's just like, well, he used to not believe in climate change, but now he does. But that's a deal breaker for me, she says. Because if he ever didn't believe in climate change, I just can't vote for this guy because I can't trust him. Right. And I thought about that and I'm just all, well, should there be forgiveness for this? You know, um, well, he probably didn't actually not believe in climate change. He's probably just a liar. And just backing (laughs) that might be, you know, disqual. Well, you, you can't win as a Republican at any level whatsoever if you believe in climate change. Yeah, I just have a hard time. You know, this is probably what makes me a skeptic when it comes to this paranormal stuff. Right. Is that I have a hard time at the idea of, okay, so let's say the flat earth. Let's take flat earth. Flat earth. All the scientists in the world Mm -hmm. are telling me that the earth is round. When I walk out my front door, it looks flat. I get that. I walk out my front door. Yeah, sure. It's flat. That's what I see. You know, I don't see any curvature in my day-to-day life. You know, I drive down the freeway. I go to work and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but I think it's really weird that anybody who doesn't have a PhD or some sort of life pursuit of the sciences or something like that is going to say, no, the entire scientific community is wrong on this one. It, it seems a little bit overly confident, and I can't trust anybody who would just outright refute the entire scientific community when really they don't have any credentials to do so. I mean, preaching to the choir here, yeah. I 100% agree. <laughs> I, I don't Al- although that reminds me, do you mind if I like complain about Mark Levin for a second? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> so I, I was in here earlier, and I could hear him on the radio. And he was talking about the media in this country, and he was saying, you know, they're they're undermining freedom of the cr- press because most of the I media. I believe is- he was saying they're undermining the freedom of the press. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a bad Mark Levin, All right, go ahead. but you know, he was saying, you know, they're not credible. Mostly, they're despicable, and it's like maybe 
but that's a little hard to take from Mark Levin. Yeah. When he is a pundit talking about investigative journalists, who's yes. who's basically their job is what police investigators do, except you know what they uncover gets printed and not used in court. Right. You know these are people who deal in facts. Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, Rachel Maddow, you know, who whoever you want. These are not people who deal in facts. So when they're like the media is, you know, 100% reprehensible, it's like they're not the news, they relay the news. Other exactly. people are actually <laughs> getting the news. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like Mori Povich going after you know, uh, David Muir or something like right, that. It's or, like, or, no. or Bob Woodward or, right. you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maury <laughs> it, it Povich is, going it's literally at, at that level. It's like you do not have the standing right. to criticize because you are not a journalist and you are the media. Right. And they're always like <laughs> crapping on the media as though they're not the media. Right. You know, I can't sit here and go like the media is pumping everybody full of lies up next. Some guy talking about Bigfoot, you know, it's like, I mean, honestly, I agree with what he was saying as far as it applies to, you know, people like us, you know, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world or just just people who are out there saying their opinion on on the air, because that's really not news. Listeners, please do not get your news from us. Get your news from journalists who you will know them because they will have articles in newspapers. It will say Associated Press. Yeah, people <laughs> whose facts are at least somewhat... Right. People who, if they lie or if they are uninformed, mm -hmm. that their careers are at stake. Exactly. You know, pundits don't have that issue. Pundits absolutely do not have that. Yeah. All right, uh, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Stick around. We're going to talk about what's coming up next. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Kara, next week we have X-Filers United. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, we have our guest uh, Jamie. Oh, no. I don't know if I can pronounce this. Let's have you do it. <laughs> M-A-U-R-I-C-A. Io, Mauricio. Mauricio. Thank Mauricio, you, Jared. Okay. Gosh, Jared's got to step in and make us look like fools. Yeah, so... Uh, Thank you, Jared. That was very helpful. That was helpful. <laughs> um, Jamie Mauricio coming in. He's an author and a researcher. And X-Files United, uh, X-Filers United is a convention that's taking place in Rhode Island. And it started out as, mm. you know, X-Filers fans. And now it's all just sort of paranormal. They have tons of guests and, uh, you know, paranormal researchers and psychics and all this stuff and pretty Nick. much everything that we would love to be a part of. Okay. So is he coming on just to make us jealous? Or, or no, what? no, to tell us about all the guests and all the shows and mainly about himself. Uh, he's a author <laughs> and a researcher. He's written some and, and uh, his, his book, uh, a, a fiction book, somehow magically implanted in his mind and he could not get it out of his head. However, it wasn't until that day in August when he experienced a unique calling from someone he just couldn't say no to and began writing. Like like the Godfather? Well, I don't know. Like, That's was why it he's an offer be... that he couldn't refuse? <laughs> that Is you that... just can't say no to? <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it, yeah. But, uh, you know, this is one of those guests when I have them on and stuff like that. I'm always, like, jealous. I'm just, oh, man, this person's, like, no, fully They're living. living our lives. They're living the, the life. life. Yeah, I have The to life go, that we want. Yeah, I have to go home to my stupid family. And this guy's, like, you know, in his picture here, he's hanging out with his dog doing paranormal stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And Wait, is, like he, a, is he shaggy? Is his dog Scooby-Doo? Is that, is that what's happening here? No, no. He looks, oh, okay. he looks a little less inebriated than shaggy. <laughs> You know, that's well, not hard. Yeah, but uh, I am really excited about this, and I it really just sort of brings me back to that we, with very little effort, could get our butts out of here and go to some of these things. I mean, we live in the most populous state in the entire country. That is true. And while we may live at the least populous end, <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on, and not that far south. Doing things is hard, Chauncey. Is it? Yes. What do you What do you got going on that's so important? I don't know nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I see your point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, it costs a couple bucks, but uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything going on, but I also don't have any money. So. Right. Right. Well, we can sleep in my car and cuddle for warmth. 
I'll ask you on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're listening to Radio Wasteland. Uh, Check us out next week as we talk about the X-Filers convention. Yeah.